Previously on Caustic Soda. Well, where the plots against you? Oh, Rome B with another good old plot. And now the conclusion. I want to thank our intern Corey for all the help on this episode. She's uh, kind of critical in some of the research on the Borgias, uh, not the least of which is uh, her accounts of the Cantarella. She gets this week's gold star of caustic soda. Anybody have any idea what the Cantarella might be? It's a dance. Oh, that's a good guess. It kind of sounds like one. It would be dancing with a horse because they canter. I probably, before I actually knew it, I probably would have guessed with, uh, you know, Cinderella's not so attractive sister or something. The horse faced one. The horse faced one, precisely. Tasting the cup of the Borgia was a common turn of phrase in the air, which meant the sudden or mysterious passing out of this world. Oh. The Borgias were experts in extracting the essence of poisons. They named their dreaded poison of choice Cantarella. And the secret of its preparation and the manner of its use are buried with the Borgias themselves. Oh, Borgia secret family, recipe. Yeah, it's like KFC, only a little... Ancient Spanish recipe! It, it just kills you faster, that's all. The Borgia family were reportedly able to prepare so-called eternity powders, which would ensure death in a few minutes, or manufacture time poisons, which killed within a desired period. Oh, nice. It is generally believed that the base of the Cantarella was arsenic. The problem is that to kill a human being with one dose of arsenic in pure form results in instant distressing symptoms. Yes. Call back to our toxicity episode. The Borgias disdain the use of pure arsenic as too coarse and obvious for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, they discovered Only that when, simple poisoners use arsenic. Yeah, you know, the coarse ones, the obvious Crass. ones. Mm-hmm. They discovered that when arsenic is mixed with inorganic matter, it loses none of its lethal qualities but kills more subtly. In this way, they learned the art of making doses of varying strength led to their time poisons. Inorganic matter, so like rocks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not thinking that. I was thinking more along like the lines of uh, food and drink, but I guess that's organic matter. Mm. Maybe I wrote it down wrong. Typically, they mixed the Cantarella with wine, milk, or other liquids. The raw material of the Cantarella was supposedly obtained in the following manner. Mm-hmm. Some animal, by preference a pig, was slaughtered and disemboweled. The entrails were then freely sprinkled with pure arsenic. Oh. The poison checked but did not entirely arrest the ensuing process of putrefaction. Oh. Mm. After allowing a certain time to elapse, the semi-putrid matter was squeezed out. Oh, squeezing that putrid matter out of the dead pig. Yeah, and the juice thus obtained became far more deadly than arsenic in its pure form but continued just as tasteless. Hmm. So it right, was basically... Yeah, it's so you, probably because you add arsenic and they'd give you to trichinosis. And, and, and maybe some kind of bacterial growth because yeah. you've left this dead pig out for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. To ascertain the exact effects of given quantities and mixtures, Rodrigo and Cesare experimented extensively on living animals. These experiments being not entirely satisfactory, especially when it came to its application towards humans, it led them to next try out their preparations on human beings. Uh, the victims, always of humble origin, once they served their purpose, were flung into the Tiber through the secret <laughs> passageways of the Castle Sant'Angelo. Oh, uh, yeah. So not only are there dead people, there's dead poisoned people in there. <laughs> you, so know, you can't even eat the bodies you find in there. I bet you didn't need bridges or ferries to get across this thing. <laughs> the Borgias uh, generally reserved the Cantarella for their friends, heavily air-quoted, or even relatives. Men of wealth and power close to the papal court, preferably cardinals or influential churchmen, were removed by what one of them facetiously called the liquor of secession. The liquor 
of secession. As Pope, Alexander VI appointed cardinals who were not only allowed, but encouraged to increase their personal wealth through perks granted by the church. The motive for the use of the Catarella was usually to take advantage of church law that allowed the property of deceased to be seized <laughs> in cases of untimely <laughs> death. Right. <laughs> So he's he's got a uh, it's a pyramid scheme where he's telling everybody to get yeah no come on we're become we're, a cardinal become a cardinal get rich it's great oh you're yeah, rich it's now good dead oh that uh, wealth is all ours yeah just so that they had to do all the work yeah. just let them do the heavy lifting yeah, yeah. the estates of most of these victims uh, passed quickly into the hands of Pope Alexander evil. <clears throat> While there are undoubtedly scores of undocumented murders by means of the Cantarella, only four are well-authenticated cases. Mm, okay. The first of these is that of Cardinal Orsini. Orsini Wells? The Cardinal was lured to the Vatican on an innocent pretext and was immediately prisoned. The doses given to the Cardinal at first were small and produced the earliest stages of arsenic poisoning, an inflammation and compression of the alimentary canal. What, what, where is it? What is that? The alimentary canal is the passage along which food passes from mouth to anus. It oh, includes yeah, esophagus, okay. stomach, and intestines. It's a long passage. Yeah, and th- there was an inflammation and compression of that. That okay. doesn't sound like something you want inflamed or compressed. I'll try and let you know. This mild poisoning was intended to alarm his relatives who would appear with offers to give up the cardinal's treasures to save his life. Oh. Uh, unfortunately, only the cardinal's aged mother came to see him. I don't even really like him that much, to be honest. So maybe either Cardinal Orsini was as big a dick as the <laughs> Borgias, or nobody was showing up. He was like, I'm going to show up with all these treasures, and I'm not going to leave again. My treasures are going to stay, and I'm going to end up in the Tiber River, too, right? Like, they were just like, fuck this. I'm not coming anywhere near the Borgias. I've heard bad things about those guys. Only the Cardinal's aged mother came to see him. She offered to exchange a rare and precious pearl to have the food for the Cardinal supplied from her own kitchen. Alexander accepted the pearl and then simply began poisoning the food sent by his mother. Sure. Uh, The cardinal lingered for a week, but pressure on the family failed to bring the desired results. As a result, the frustrated Alexander sent him a cup full of the fatal drops with with directions to drain it within two hours. After the two hours had passed, the papal jailer found the cup untouched, so Michelotto Corella... Uh, the strangler. The strangler. What was, did he do? Was sent did to he the... punch him in the face? <laughs> did he stab him in the butt? <laughs> did he knee him in the balls? <laughs> Might have stabbed him in the butt, then kneed him in the balls, and then he threatened to strangle him oh, okay. if he didn't finish the cup of poison. Right. Uh, so I guess the uh, the thought of being strangled to death by Michelotto was uh, a little less tasteful than uh, poisoning because he drank the poison. What tattoos do you think Michelangelo the Strangler has on his knuckles? Not Michelang- Michelangelo, somebody different. This is Michelotto. Michelotto. Uh-huh. How many people does it strangle to get a Michelotto venti oh, at Starbucks? No, do you think he's got like the um, the teardrop tattoos oh, for maybe. all the people? Oh no, he's got teardrops on his on his fingers for all the strangling that he's done. Or maybe he puts he draws lines. He tattoos like lines on his, on his fingers. Strangled. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. like notches on your bedpost if you sleep with a lot of people. <laughs> He's just got a bunch of necks tattooed up his arm. <laughs> the second authenticated case was Cardinal Michiel, poisoned in his home through the treachery of a servant. Alexander bribed a man who mixed the thyme poison uh, in with his master's food and drink. Okay. Cardinal Michiel. Classic. Endured- a Cardinal Michiel endured the four painful stages of Cantarella poisoning. Violent compression of the alimentary canal. Yes, got that. A, a rash with an appearance of the most vile and loathsome crust. Oh. An undermining of the whole a nervous rash. system. Undermining of the nervous system, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, and finally, a fatty and rapid degeneration of the heart. 
Ooh, fatty degeneration. Fatty mm-hmm. degeneration. Cardinal Michiel took four days to die. Okay. Mm-hmm. One for each of the four um, symptoms. The cardinal sins. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the but... four cardinal symptoms. <laughs> uh, the third case of Cantarella poisoning is that of Cardinal Ferrari. <laughs> Was that really fast poisoning? <laughs> uh, not the poisoning. He couldn't get away fast enough. Uh, he was poisoned in exactly the same way as Michiel. Alexander corrupted a young priest in the cardinal's household. The symptoms were much the same. Death ensuing at the end of the second day after the first dose. The young priest. It was who, faster. The young priest who served the tainted food and drink was arrested some years later. Uh, he made a full confession and suffered death by burning. In the fourth case, the Borgias had their eye on the immense wealth of Cardinal Adriano de Cornetto. The wealth of de Cornetto was mostly liquid, just what Cesare wanted most. De Cornetto even owned an estate on Vatican Hill where the Pope was a frequent visitor. Alexander. I like this house. Shame if something would happen to you. Well, they did have the ability to seize people's properties and. Oh, estates. especially when they were cardinals, yeah. Yeah. Alexander and Cesare diplomatically invited themselves to the estate as distinguished guests. Hey, we're coming over for dinner. It would be a bad idea if you declined. <laughs> Uh, some hours ahead of the dinner, Cesare sent his personal messenger to the Cardinal's villa with several bottles of wine mixed with suitable doses of Cantarella. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't tell the Cardinal that, though. He kept that to himself. Uh, the head steward of the Cardinal's household was instructed to not open the bottles under any circumstances until after Cesare's arrival. Oh. Unfortunately, that day was extremely hot, and Alexander, tortured by the heat and with great thirst, arrived at the villa early. Uh-oh. The Cardinal was out, and Alexander was received by the head steward. Uh, who he asked for a glass of wine. The steward assumed that the wine Cesare sent was of the highest quality, befitting for a pope. Not wanting to serve him the house wine, he opened Cesare's bottle. Nice. Cesare later appeared, and unaware of which wine his father was drinking, joined him in a glass. Uh-oh. Alexander and Cesare complained of fever after the banquet, and both had vomiting spells. The next day, the vomiting spells increased in violence, and the discharges were mixed with gall and a greenish substance. <laughs> so the doctors cut and bled the pope. Always like a good idea when you have a 73-year-old pope vomiting. I'm waiting so long for an excuse to do this to this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, you <laughs> Can you just imagine? French? Yeah, you yes. had my cousin in one of your orgies. <laughs> Cesare suffered much in the same way, but his youth obviously was in his favor. Some accounts say Cesare had a mule slaughtered and dressed, then wrapped the carcass about himself in accord with the ancient superstition that entering the body of an animal warded off the effects of poison. Right. So this is kind of like a, a dead giveaway that maybe he thought there might have been poison involved. Pope Alexander died the next day and his body was washed and dressed. Uh, when and Yo- thrown in the Tiber. Uh, no, not quite. Oh. Uh, when Johann Burchard returned with servants to prepare the body for final burial, he found Alexander bloated and discolored. By tradition, the body was exhibited to the people and clergy of Rome, but it had to be covered by an old tapestry due to the rapid decomposition. According to one account... Uh, It was a revolting scene to look at that deformed blackened corpse, prodigiously swelled and exhaling an infectious smell. His lips and nose were covered with brown drivel, his mouth was opened very widely, and his tongue, inflated by poison, split and fell out upon his chin. Therefore, no fanatic or devotee dared to kiss his feet or hands as custom would have required. Uh, I'm not touching that. (laughs) I'm not kissing it. I'm not touching it. And I have nothing to do with it. Uh, In fact, the Venetian ambassador, who, of course, came to pay his respects to the Pope, stated uh, that the body was the ugliest and most monstrous and horrible dead body that was ever seen without any form or likeness of humanity. It was like a Shoggoth in a Mm. coffin. (laughs) 
In fact, the body was so swollen, it would not fit into its coffin which yeah. had just been built. Yeah. The servants removed it. We had to let it out a bit on the sides. <laughs> well, once you build a coffin, and I'm sure they built it out of some pretty crazy material. Well, it's got to be extra tall to fit that hat. Well, the, the servants <laughs> the servants removed the Pope's robes and mitre and had to literally stuff him into his nice. final resting place nice. to make him fit. After Alexander's death in 1503, Cesare still had enough influence to affect the choice of the next Pope. Mm-hmm. He needed a candidate who would not threaten plans to create his own, his own principality in central Italy. Cesare's candidate did become Pope, Pius III, but Pius died only a month after the selection. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Bad All the, luck. Yeah. <laughs> and he probably spent a ton of his money to like grease palms and bribe oh, yeah. people into voting for him and probably expend a lot of political capital and blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, that's, you know, I mean, so support another pope. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Well, Move on to the next guy. Uh, Giuliano della Rovere, who had lost the election to Rodrigo 11 years earlier and as a result was a mortal enemy to the Borgias, oh, became oh. the next pope, Julius oh. II. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, this is not going to go well. Uh, Julius, on the day of his election, said, I will not live in the same rooms as the Borgias lived. He desecrated the Holy Church as number four. He usurped the papal power by the devil's aid. And I forbid, under the pain of excommunication, anyone to speak or think of Borgia again. Oh, wow. Wait, wait. Do not think. <laughs> he forbade people yeah. to think of the Borgias? Yes. I think he just admitted, Julius II just admitted that he can read minds. Yes. He just gave it away. You know, usually you keep that thing in your back pocket. That's, so that's what that advantage. funny hat does for you. Oh, it focuses. It's, it's the opposite of Magneto's helmet. It, it fo- gives you the ability to read minds. It focuses the brainwaves yeah. Yeah, of all, all be, who stand before you. His name and memory must be forgotten. It must be crossed out of every document and memorial. His reign must be obliterated. All paintings made of the Borgias or for them must be covered over with black crepe. Oh. All the tombs of the Borgias must be opened and their bodies sent back to where they belong, oh, to yeah. Spain. Oh, yeah. I love so it. So he ends with like a little kind of racist rant. I love it. Yeah. As a result... The he Bor- just basically said dirty Spaniards. I mean, in his little speech, he actually used the phrase... He ruled with the devil's aid. Yeah. He usurped <laughs> the papal power by the devil's aid. He totally shouldn't have won that election. I totally won, and the devil made him win. Oh, you think it's sour grapes? This yeah. is like a total schoolyard sour grapes moment? I think it could be both. You know, right? I don't literally think the devil helped him, but uh, yeah, like by devil's aid, he could mean cheated. Well, though, he did watch and laugh while Cesare shot prisoners and stomped the, trampled them with horses. And he gave prizes to prostitutes to pick up chestnuts with oh, yeah. the vaginas. Uh-huh. And <laughs> all can be done without a devil. It's not made any easier without the devil. <laughs> as a result, the Borgia's apartments remained sealed until the 19th century. Wait, what? That's, uh, but in fairness, he could have years. had the paintings burned instead of covered with just black grape. But still, I guess the Vatican has enough rooms that you can seal a bunch of them up and not use them for a while. Like 300 years. Right. Are there any rooms in your house that you feel you could seal up for 300 years? For three? I... <laughs> Probably the kitchen. <laughs> Not much of a cooker, Torn? No. <laughs> Cesare was betrayed and imprisoned in Naples while his lands were retaken by the papacy. Oh, host, hoisted on your own yeah. uh, uh, reclaimed land scheme. In 1504, that's only a year after his father's death, he was transferred to Spain and imprisoned first in the castle of Chinchilla de Monterreyong. 
Oh, oh. they make great coats. They yeah. make great coats. After an attempted escape, he was moved to the Castle of La Mata. All the walls in the Castle Chinchilla are all furry. <laughs> very cozy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, basically, this is the uh, the Renaissance version of a white-collar prison. You know those ones that the embezzlers go to? The one you know, drawback the Chinchilla is, one? The one drawback is all your baths have to be dust baths while you're in there. It's a chinchilla joke. Oh, do they do take dust. Oh, yeah. You put a chinchilla in like a bowl of the super fine dust, and mm-hmm. they they go into it and they spin like Sonic the Hedgehog, just and then they stop and brush it off, and then they go again. It's adorable as hell. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm putting the video up on the post for this. Costasonpodcast.com. It's going to be the one shining beacon of cuteness in this whole episode of evil. <laughs> that's balanced. That's fair. That's, that's it's fair. Come on, Kevin. Fair and balanced. I get it. That's good journalism. Cesare escaped from there and made it to Pamplona in December 1506 and was welcomed by King John III of Navarre, who was looking for an experienced military commander and feared the eventual Castilian invasion, which would ultimately happen in 1512. Uh, so Cesare gets out of Italy, goes yep. back to Spain, escapes from prison, allies mm-hmm. himself with the local king, and says, I can lead your armies against Castilians. Yeah. His fear was a rational one because that invasion did end up happening. Yes. You know, eight years, eight years later. later or, mm-hmm. Sorry, six years later after he left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, under King John III of Navarre, mm-hmm. Chester besieged a rebellious army in a remote castle okay. in, in the early morning of uh, 11 March 1507. An enemy party of Knigets fled from the castle during a heavy storm. Trying to get out through cover of rain and whatnot. And Chester chased them with a small contingent of his own. Mm. All right, in hot pursuit. Oh, this is uh, this is basically like the, the French connection. This is a hot pursuit. This is a car chase. Yep. The a Middle Ages version of a car chase. In his eagerness, he outdistanced his own men and found himself on his own. <laughs> what? Trapped in an ambush. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. I think it was eagerness or maybe his, his men going, I'm just going to go a little slower yeah, here. Just like, this yeah, guy's okay. kind of a dick. Yeah, not really a big fan of his. right? Yeah. He was cut down receiving at least 25 wounds. A Whoa. spear wound to the heart is believed to be the fatal one. Uh-huh. He had a lot of hit points. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you, he, you know, he was probably a high level, well, high level guy. Spirit is 1d6 damage, yeah. uh, average three and a half times 25. Yeah, you're looking at uh, like uh, 80 or 90 hit points mm-hmm. there. He was then stripped of all of his luxurious garments. Mm-hmm. Which is what you do when you kill a guy. Although the luxurious garments probably wouldn't have been worth much after that with all the blood and stuff on it when you stab a guy 25 times. You can make a bunch of small like, luxurious doilies out of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Patching technology back then was probably much greater than we I have today. So, we just yeah. throw things away now. They would have got a couple seamstresses in there mm-hmm. and like, oh, here's quilt. the spear wound. Here's, here's the, the quilt we no. made from Chester's yeah. uh, don't worry, death I could, robe. Don't worry, <laughs> I can make this stitch go right along this blood stain. It's going to look really artistic and cool. Or you could make like a little baby jumper out of it. They took mm-hmm. his garments, they took his valuable they took his leather mask covering half his face, which was likely disfigured due to the syphilis he contracted in his early 20s. Oh, so he was wearing a mask? This mm-hmm. whole time. Oh, that's awesome. The man with the leather mask. They should have written a book about it. <laughs> he was. Uh, Joe writes a book about it every weekend. He was left lying naked with just a red tile covering his genitals. All right. A red tile. If the syphilis has ravaged your face... <laughs> Probably ravaged your genitals too. Probably that was it. They took everything. They went, oh God, I can't look at yeah, that. Yeah, one guy just kind of very delicately picked up a tile and went, I'm just going to put this right there. <laughs> oh, okay, there yeah. we go. Oh, man. Yeah. Much, much better. Yeah. <laughs> the attackers did not even realize who Chester was. And when their commander discovered what had happened, he was furious at the loss of such an exceptionally valuable potential ransom. 
Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, you killed that rich guy? Well, that rich, that guy, super that, rich guy that the current pope really would like to have back? Yep. Yeah. He was the son of the last pope. Your, and... your holiness, guess who I found? Chester's men found the body, and King John had it buried in the parish church of Vienna. The inscription on the marble tomb said, Here, in a scant piece of earth, lies he whom all the world feared. Is that what you want on your <laughs> headstone? I don't even want all the world to love me because, the, like, that would mean what about I, those jerks. Yeah, like I don't want jerks and assholes to love me. That would mm-hmm. be bad. They yeah. should. They should be my enemy. Enemy. Mm-hmm. Can I get a bunch of headstones? Because then I could just like one for each. Yeah, and, and put that oh. on, put that on one of them. And, and by, another thing, you guys fuck <laughs> off. And by a bunch of headstones, do you mean those like five guys who are in the band called the headstones? If they could show up, they would just stand there and sing. Where you're just all the time. time And if somebody walks up to leave flowers, they sing a song. They've got that song, Cemetery. Mm -hmm. Sometime between 1523 and 1608, the tomb was destroyed. The bishop at the time considered it inappropriate to have the remains of that degenerate (laughs) lying in the church. (laughs) He was a degenerate. I mean, he did have syphilis eating away at half his face. Maybe that's why he outdistanced his men. He like couldn't think straight, or he thought his men were right behind him. He was hallucinating or something. So the opportunity was taken to tear down the monument and expel Borgia's bones. They were reburied under the street in front of the church to be trodden on by all who walked through the town. Nice. That's what we're doing with Torin. Uh, Probably Chester's most famous lasting legacy is that he served as the model for Machiavelli's, Machiavelli's The Prince. Oh, right. yeah, of course. The leader who promotes himself solely through the strength of his own will. So, Rodrigo and Cesare are out of the picture now. It's probably everybody's wondering, oh, Lucretia Borgia, if she's this evil dame, she's the evil triumvirate, she's probably going to go out and start getting all stabby and murdery and all the, taking people down for vengeance, for you know undermining her family and reclaiming all the papal lands and all the rest of that jazz. Mm-hmm. Well, she got married a third and final time to Alfonso I de Este, Duca Ferrera. After her father died in 1503, she lived a relatively quiet life in Ferrera with her husband and children. Lucrezia died in 1519 at the age of 39, 10 days after the birth and death of her last child. So complications due to childbirth. There seems to be little basis for her reputation as the historical archetype of murderer by poison. The fact that she was never implicated in another murder or atrocity after the death of her father and brother heavily suggests that she was more of the pawn than the queen in the, the political chess game. Right. She hardly seems to deserve the reputation as a Renaissance black widow that we have come to know her as. I got a little Borgia trivia. Yeah, we didn't have a single story of her just outright doing yeah, something uh, terrible, uh, did we? She on was, her own. She was like there watching. Yeah, she was actually trying to uh, convalesce her husband back right. to health after being stabbed and after being forced from the room by her brother who yeah. manually strangled him to death. Uh, she you know, married all these guys, but out of political necessity. I'm sure it wasn't her choice to have sex with one of her suitors at 10 years old. Like she did. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't necessarily her choice to watch 50 honest prostitutes try and pick up chestnuts with their vaginas. <laughs> Not necessarily. We think uh, that's what happened. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure if she'd had another choice, probably wouldn't have sat there and watched uh, Cesare run over children with horses. Although, Kevin, are we sure that those prostitutes were all women? There might have been some other orifices being used to pick up some of those chestnuts. Absolutely. Oh, mouths. Mouths. <laughs> uh, Borgia trivia. Buffalo Bill Cody used a Springfield model 1866 caliber 50 rifle, which he nicknamed Lucrezia Borgia. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he used it to shoot buffalo for feeding track workers employed by the Kansas Pacific Railroad during the construction of the Transcontinental Railroad. Hmm. So I don't know why he thought 
his rifle should be called Lucrezia, but he did. I guess he wanted a woman's name and then wanted somebody supposedly deadly. I guess at that time she was still considered this uh, Black Widow. Yeah. Uh, Princess Diana was a distant descendant of Lucrezia Borgia. Oh, wild. Well, I mean, all those royal families kind of hump each other. It's not that surprising. Well, it's just kind of odd that somebody survived with all the deaths and poisonings and backstabbings going on. I mean, she did have a bunch of children. You're an angel from heaven sent down from above. You're dead. Boy, to heaven to love, boy of mine, you're a fine little laddie. You're the world to your mommy and daddy. You're a good little soldier who always obeys. You bring me happiness in so many ways. You're as cute as a toy. You're my pride and joy. And your daddy's little boy. your smile you make life worth while living and you make every day my thanksgiving you're my proudest possession a gem from above you're all the precious things that dreams are made of when you grow up like me you'll still always be just your daddy's There is now a scholarly school of thought that maybe the Borgias aren't truly evil, right? That they shouldn't qualify as an evil duo. They're just super dicks. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the argument is more along this. And this this is a very recent argument. Like, up until like the early 20th century, it was still basically generally assumed that the Borgias... You know, their contemporaries had nothing nice to say about them. Uh, there were a number of uh, books written by guys like Victor Hugo about them. There was an opera uh, written about Lucrezia. There was a play. And every single one of them pretty much posited that the Borgias were as about as evil as you got. Yeah. Right? And, and there's now kind of a school of thought academically going around that, sure, they did terrible things. And that is there's no doubt about it. And it's well documented. And there's no arguing that they've done all these things. 
but they were doing them in the 15th and 16th century in Italy, and this is just what everybody in their position did. It was expected. Yeah. Well, they were just upholding expectations <laughs> yeah. of killing all right. the babies, uh, killing all the children with the horses. Or they, poor Pope Alexander VI having to kill all those people. Totally misunderstood. In fact, I read one of these arguments. It was called Mitigating the Borgias. Mm. And it basically argued that in comparison to some of their contemporaries, they were actually quite tame oh they were just they were moderates yes they were moderates that's that, kind uh, of the i know you are but what am i defense yeah the uh, uh the hey, everybody's, everybody's doing it doing it yeah come on man hey i may be evil but i'm not as evil as that guy hey yeah. man if all your friends took prisoners and tied them all up together and hacked at them with a sword and shot them and then trampled them would you do it too his argument basically this, this academic's argument was that this was what people did to each other. They poisoned each other. They had them strangled. They, you know, left them to die in dank dungeons. It was their culture. I love the fact that these <laughs> he's still the Pope, right? He's still supposed to be the most holy guy yeah. on the planet. And he is uh, writing papal bulls, which mean you read to people in new lands, you read them a decree, which if they don't accept... Uh, the king of Spain as their ruler, that you are allowed to enslave them and kill them without any problem. Which, to be fair, that is a thing that we all did to the native population. Uh, like, I don't know about the declaration of follow us or else. In fact, there were actual denouncers inside the church at this time oh. who who thought that it was um, against God's will to uh, promote slavery. So that was okay. still going on. There was a debate within within the clergy. So right? that invalidates the whole it's just our culture thing. Certainly there were a lot of countries that were enslaving of evil people. rich families. Yeah. There's ten commandments, and one of them is thou shalt not kill. And I don't think you need to necessarily get so specific as like thou shalt not trample children with horses. Right. Uh, I think that could, should, could get caught That's under the, the thou umbrella. shalt not kill umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Um but uh but yeah. What do I know, right? So, <laughs> well, but the my, Pope is supposed to be the, the mouthpiece of God on earth, yeah. so he gets to say whatever. My position is is that, yes, you can, you can understand why things happen within cultural and anachronistic timeframes, but I still think there's an objective measure of evil, and these guys crossed it big time. So, I won't argue that. Evil. I'm voting evil. Yeah, I vote evil. What would you put him on an evilometer? Well, for the two guys, anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. Wait. First, I want to know which one is more evil of the duo. Alexander was down with poisoning yep. and political intrigue mm-hmm. and screwing people out of dowries and marrying his daughter off. And then, oh, I, don't want, I don't care about this guy anymore. You seem Get like rid clever of him. evil. Clever evil. And he an evil loved, mastermind. He loved yeah. to watch and participate in orgies. Which, that's neither good nor evil. Depends on Depending whether on, you know, there's consent and stuff involved. Yeah, sure. exactly. And uh, Cesar... Or, Cesare. He seemed a lot more homicidal. Yeah. And he was always the guy going out and leading the papal armies, and he was chasing after guys alone on horseback, trying to kill them. Right. He was stabbing. It wasn't Alexander who was stabbing the messenger boy in, in the hall. It was Cesare. He was more of a hands-on evil. It wasn't, it wasn't Alexander who was taking Michelotto up to the apartments to manually strangle uh, Lucretia's second husband. Right. Mm-hmm. It was. It, he seemed to be kind of the... Uh, Rodrigo seemed the brains of the operation, and Cesare seemed 
the hands of the operation. It totally seemed like uh, Rodrigo was just was a, a kind of an evil guy who learned that he could do things to get ahead, mm-hmm. but and kind of didn't care what he did to get ahead. Mm-hmm. But then his son got raised in that environment, yeah. and didn't recognize that you do these things to get ahead. He just watched his dad and went, "You just do them because it's fun, and I like killing people." And like, so I totally agree with you. I'm well, no, I'm saying Alexander's the more evil. You think Alexander's more evil? Yeah, because he made Cesare. Okay, he made but, him but, what he was. But then, but then you, you he was could, also then you a bad, say in addition to all the other things of all the murder, he's also a bad father, bad role <laughs> yeah, model. Exactly. Uh, no, I think uh, I think Cesare more evil uh, because he does it with like without as much reason. If I'm giving uh, Rodrigo a six and a half, I'm giving Cesare a six. Right, okay. I'm like butting them right up against each other. All right, not as evil as Hitler. We can agree to that. Definitely not as evil as Hitler. Not, not as evil not as Stalin. No. Not as evil as Stalin. No. But more evil than I'd go more Countess Bathory. Probably more evil than Countess Bathory. I would even go. Cesare seemed to take kind of a joy in exterminating human life. So, do we know how many people they or either one of them killed? Roughly, We're, certainly we've got the four accounts of using the cantella. The yeah. Cantonella. There's all the prisoners they killed. Yeah, at least hundreds. Yeah, at least hundreds. That's pretty evil. Yeah, I would put them uh, slightly ahead of Elizabeth Bathory. I, I, I'm going to say on the evilometer. Uh, I guess I'll just say seven. I, I would give uh, Cesare like a seven and a half, and then uh, Rodrigo a seven. Pop culture now, Torrent. Yes. Uh, speaking of Elizabeth Bathory, in our Elizabeth Bathory episode, you talked about a movie called Immoral Tales, mm-hmm. which uh, there was a scene that was kind of like semi-pornographic in which she bathes in the blood of virginal girls. Oh, that, that movie is all pornographic, basically. Uh, well, in the... Uh, it's like softcore. The final installment or segment or whatever you want to call it yes. of this is yeah. actually Alexander VI enjoying incest with Lucrezia and Cesare while Savonarola is arrested and burned. Do you remember this? I remember the segment. I don't remember any of the characters' names. Uh, so you didn't realize it was a story of the Borgias no. until I reminded you of it. Yes. But there's a lot of people in priest vestments. Yes, and a lot that of, is true. You know, red I robes. I was just and, at the time. This was, <laughs> I don't know when it came out. Like this 1974. Was, I watched this 20 years ago. Okay. I was like, oh, it's... Uh, it's uh, a bunch it, of middle, it's, age, it's, middle ages. It's all popey, churchy porno. people. Yeah, mm. uh-huh. And uh, I didn't know who the lady was supposed to be. I thought it might be just like some servant girl or something. Okay. Mm. And there was just, oh, a little tickling. There's some tickling with a uh, peacock feather. Oh, really? Tickle, tickle, tickle. Huh? And, oh, suggestively down to the muffler area. <laughs> oh, the full bush? Yes, the full okay. bush. Yeah, All right. That's, that's... Well, this is a European film. The The release title was Conte Imero, which right. is French for Immoral Tales. Right. Did you give the movie a thumbs up or a thumbs down, or how did you rate it? Oh, God, the... That's all you can say. I'm just trying to interpret it as either good narrative of any (laughs) kind. Oh, really? Really? Um, I sure. I would say yes. Watch it. Everybody, watch it. (laughs) What? The why? The sales of immoral tales on iTunes just skyrockets through the roof. Got me horny. Softcore porn. There you go. There's (laughs) torrent. That's. Curiously, that's how you review every movie that that's you right. like. Transformers Three got me got horny. Me horny. <laughs> well, and, and on the television, that one th- shot of Megatron <laughs> leaning over. Oh, robot butt. Megan Foxtron. <laughs> In television, there is a Showtime series called The Borgias uh, yes. that I am aware of that stars Jeremy Irons. That I was thinking to myself, okay, we got to go check this out. In expectation of the Borgias episode, and I discovered that released in the exact same year 
2011 as the big budget, well shot, well lit. With Jeremy's Iron. With Jeremy Iron's uh, Showtime show was a much smaller budget uh, European show called Borgia Faith and Fear. Faith and Fear. Which got released on Netflix. So oh. a competing series on Showtime and Netflix that came out the exact Who same has time. has that much time for the Borgias? A, a few years earlier, The Tudors was a big hit, chronicling the life and times of, right. a, mm-hmm. you know, of a Renaissance family. And the then Tudors. they just started like kind of looking... Everybody, all producers just start scrambling for all that public oh, domain historical stuff. stuff. Historical public domain stuff historical in the same drama era. with boobs. And it, the Borgias, of course, leapt off the page. I mean, they're easily as famous as the Tudors in a lot of respects. And uh, there's a lot more salacious elements to the story. So I read an article uh, written by an actual academic historian mm-hmm. uh, where he compared and contrasted the two Borgias series. Okay. Now, you saw some of the Jeremy Irons series. I sat through that entire minute and a half opening, uh-huh. and I was enraged. Enraged about what? Waiting to get to the show. <laughs> I've seen about an episode and a half in the course it of my comings and goings. okay. Now, I mm-hmm. asked on Facebook... Mm-hmm. Because I knew I was going to have time to watch a, a sizable chunk. Yep. Is it worth watching? What is good about it? What is bad about it? How historically accurate is it? Okay. Uh, Brendan says, it's a lot of tits, incest, and Jeremy Irons chewing on oh, scenery. Oh, so that's going to make Torn Horny? Our good friend, the chewy, the scenery chewing? Yes. Oh, yeah. Tara, our good friend Tara says, nice costumes. No one is likable. Okay. Well, okay. that's, you know, hardly surprising. And Pam says, kind of like games, Game of Thrones with more douchebags. Yes, really. <laughs> and the series ends abruptly, got canceled, so you'd never get closure. Oh. Not historically hmm. accurate also was another comment. This historian who wrote this uh, comparative, he kind of broke it down about, like, how the stories were done and how the characters were treated. And he kind of came to the same conclusion that the uh, the Showtime series was lavish and it was shot nicely and it was nice to look at and the cast were recognizable stars. Um, but unfortunately, the story all seemed couched in a modern context. Like uh, Lucrezia and they went to Starbucks. Cesare would have sex with one another and it was like, oh my God, sister and brother. And he would say, but you know, in that era, it wasn't terribly unusual to have sex with relatives. Sure. Right? Um, to have illicit relations with people who just happen to live in the same household as you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in the other series, the lower budget series, Borgia, Faith and Fear, he was very impressed by how much the story seemed couched in a Renaissance context and that the characters acted as people in the Renaissance would have acted under those conditions. Like mm-hmm. there's one scene that he pointed out wherein um, uh, one of the Borgias was having sex with somebody's wife and when the husband burst in on them, the Borgia went out the window and the husband picked up a fire poker and bashed her brains in, like right there on the spot, and then like basically left the, and ordered his servants to clean it up and then walked out of the room as if, you know, he'd rid himself of a, uh, you know, a pest, a rat or a, a oh, fly, right? I see. And he mm-hmm. said it was very impressive because that's exactly the kind of thing that you know, people uh, of wealth and position would have done in the time that, you know, they wouldn't necessarily have, you know, gotten to a long debate about whether or not to get divorced. Right. There's no trial separation. There was separating her head from her body. Uh, I see. So if you want historical accuracy, see Borgia Faith and Fear, but be aware. You want Jeremy Irons chewing scenery? scenery? 
See the other one. The Borgias are major players in the Assassin's Creed 2 series of video games. Poison, the Poisoner's Edition? Actually, they're kind of the head of the main bad guys throughout the entire Assassin's Creed series. So uh, Assassin's Creed mm. is divided into Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2, and then a couple of sequels to that, which mm-hmm. have their own names like Brotherhood and Revelations. And then they do Assassin's Creed 3, uh, which is a step forward in time. So the Borgias are the evil family behind everything in the entire Assassin's Creed 2 series. Oh, wow. Revealed at the beginning of the first one, and then in the, the sequels, the chapters afterwards, more and more get dealt with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of Assassin's Creed 2, the uh, main character fights uh, fights uh, Alexander VI okay. in uh, secret... Uh, Secret rooms beneath, I think, uh, the Vatican. So, I can't on. remember where it is so exactly. Does Alexander VI have, like, martial arts abilities and stuff? Like, are you going kung fu on his ass? He has. So, Assassin's Creed is, of course, it's kind. it's got a bunch of historical semi-accuracy, but, of course, it's a fantasy world yeah. where there's kind of magic, sort of weird magic. Because he was elected as Pope when he was 61. So it's, Yeah, uh, he's an old man, heavy set, uh, balding, gray beard, but he has what's called a, the Peace of Eden, okay. which is this artifact left by super powerful not sure aliens or magic things or something mm-hmm. like that from the past and it allows him to uh just basically cast spells and shoot the guy back and the thing that's weird about it is you defeat him at the end of assassin's creed 2 mm-hmm. and he's like go ahead and kill me and even though your character is an assassin and has no problems with killing lots of people you don't right because it's too soon in the historical storyline for him to die Oh, okay. So your character's like, no, you've you've already learned that you're worthless, so I'm going to let you live. And you walk away. And it, I remember going, what? Uh-huh. Because, you know, you go through the game just killing yeah, right. all sorts of bad guys. And then you get to the final big bad guy. And you go, eh, now I'll let you live. Doesn't this just feel like video game blue balls, though? Like, you it, just never... It really <laughs> did. And and I want you to know, I love the Assassin's Creed 2 series. All of those games are excellent. But that one bit like, was weird. I saw... Uh, I've seen... There should like, have been just like a magic it. shoot or something. You like go to stab him for the final time, and there's a shoot that opens up underneath him, and he gets away. Uh, and then in later ones, Alexander actually ends up dying in a cut scene Mm -hmm. but not to the assassin cesare poisons him with an apple oh okay which but it's at the time when he would have died from the wine yeah uh might even be in the same place uh and then later uh your character at the end of revelations which is the final one faces off with cesare and you end up throwing him off of a battlement of a castle to his death. Okay. Which then I guess he gets found and everybody goes, oh, he was ambushed and stabbed a bunch of times. <laughs> so it, they, they do enough so that it can fit the, the actual history. His- historical record. And it's pretty cool. As you play, you get to read all these backgrounds on these characters, which are, they're spruced up with the so, uh, Assassin's now, Creed story. Now, after this episode, yeah. how historically accurate do you feel like the Assassin's Creed uh, series is? It's pretty it's good. It's basically like taking a course in in, uh, in the college and university. Oh, Assassin's Creed? Did you yeah, play it fact, as well? Yeah, in fact, they're just going to, instead of having to read the books and take tests, they're just going to play through the game. Oh, there you go. Uh, the uh, History 101, the Borgias. Yeah. Uh, watch. Assassin's Creed style. <laughs> it's pretty good. I learned quite a bit while playing it. But I'd like to do a lesser of two evils. Poison by Alexander VI over dinner at a banquet? Or stabbed then strangled in your bed by Cesare? If you have to die at the hands of a Borgia, right? Which way would you rather go? Uh, Cesare is strangling me, not the strangler, dude. Uh, not Michaelotto. Uh, it could be either. Could be either. It either because Michaelotto has more experience, so I assume it'll be uh, quicker. 
But the poison, you'd kind of go to sleep and just die. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're uh, now, I'm choosing lesser oh. of two evils. Do you get strangled by Cesari or you get strangled by uh, the, the professional strangler well, who knows what he's doing? It's going to be. You Is know that it, good or bad? I don't even know. It's going to be the Alfonso situation where Cesare uh, and Michelotto are going to show up and they're going to close the door. <laughs> And who knows who's going to strangle you? <laughs> okay. Maybe Michelotto's there to hold you down. It's a learning experience for Cesare. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. Strangle more like this. Oh, yeah. You want to grip yeah. on the opposite sides it, of the neck, not both in the front. Could be a strangling tutorial. Oh, yeah. I see. And I'm the, I'm the and test you're subject. The, yeah, yeah. Cesare's trying to up his strangling cred. So who better to take along than Michelotto? So in the strangling uh, scenario, who's in bed with me? And in the poisoning scenario, what am I eating? Uh, in the strangling scenario, you're in bed alone because you're recovering from your stab wounds. Oh. Remember. Okay. You got stabbed in St. Peter's Square earlier, and you were being nursed back to health, and you, you, you were so presumptuous as to begin to recover from your injuries, so required some stab. Some well, that strangling. leads me towards poisoning right away because I'm having a fine meal. Yes, but it does take you up to four days to die, mm. right? And then mm. there's, a, there's a restriction of your alimentary canal. Although I am kind you of get, a glutton, though, so I might eat more than my fair share and get, die quicker. <laughs> It's uh, well, yes, but you're we're, we're all a little heavy set, so we're probably you know not not distribute that poison so easily. Right. I don't like being stabbed, so the stabbing uh, part is bad. Has this happened before? No. <laughs> so how do how you do know you, know you don't I, like it if I, you never even tried it? <laughs> uh, I've I've had stab like uh, occurrences, mm-hmm. but at the same once. time, if it <laughs> is right. if it is a, a strangling tutorial, I am a fan of education. Oh, okay. All right. You see, you always look on the bright side of You're life. You're not going to be able Joe. to use that education, though. You now, personally. no. Slowly wasting away from poison probably is how I feel when I get the flu. Remember, you get the constriction of alimentary canal. Yeah. Right. That's your intestines That's and throat and stomach. Yeah. And then you uh, get a rash that turns into a crust. Yeah, yeah the crust a black rash. crust. Yeah. Uh, then you get the heart. No, no, then your nervous system collapses. Right. And then you get your fatty heart, fatty uh, heart. death. Fatty but that can death. all happen in the same place and me wasting away in bed or playing yeah. video games Yeah, or no, something. you will undoubtedly be in Whereas, bed as like, you die. Oh, get, and don't forget get about stabbed the... in the square and being Bleeding and don't, dragged somewhere. and Don't forget about the day of vomiting. There's the day of vomiting, and your medieval doctors might bleed you. Yay, vomit day. <laughs> yeah. I do not like to vomit. Yeah. I do, I do not. How do you feel about crusty rash? I do not appreciate a crusty rash. I don't think I've ever had one, but I feel like it would be not fun. Is there a chance that I can fight off? the two strangly essences. No, because no, you're suffering from stab wounds. Oh, There's no God. way you're fighting these you're gonna guys tear, off. You're going to tear those uh, stitches open. right open. Well, they probably weren't stitched. They're probably just like shut by by scabs, and you'll like open your wounds again. For so sure. now here's the next question. Uh-huh. Uh, my two assassins are there in the room with me in the bedroom strangling situation. Yep. I can fuck them up. I'm still going to die, Yeah, but I could at the very least get blood all over them. Yes, you would get blood on their fine I, vestments. I don't think they would be bothered. Now, in the other situation... Will I have enough time between when I get poisoned and when I die mm-hmm. to go and find my poisoners and vomit all over them? You will be so sick you will not be able to get out of bed. No. See, yeah. then I, I'm now I'm leaning towards the the strangling again because I could poke an it's eye out the or stabbing. something. I have to say no to the stabbing. All right. It, the stabbing is what's put you off, so, the stabbing yeah, and strangling. I'll, I'll take the bleeding of the doctors because they, 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 I think, would at least try to be kind about it. But it's the stabbing and then having to try to recover from that and getting that glimpse of hope. Oh, oh I'm going to make it. It looks like I'm going to do okay. I'm, I'm, I'm Knock, knock, knock. Oh, fuck. And then just see them come in. Everybody out. That's Wait, it. important question. Yeah. How long ago was it since I was stabbed? Uh, a couple of days. 
See, it's about the same time period. About the same time period. Yeah. Oh, see, now I'm going back to the eating I'm gonna delicious take, meal again. I'm going to take the poison because of my hope does not get crushed. Yep. I'm like, I, oh, man, I'm doomed. I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also because I don't let uh, Cesare feel good about having done it himself with his hands. Oh, yeah. Like, Just look at him in his like, like smug little mug yeah. while he watches or strangles you himself or watches Michelotto strangle you. Right. Oh, it's just more than I can take. Whereas Alexander would just be like, okay, good, now you're dead and out of the way. You like, know how much I have a stance against smugness. Yeah. But since he's there, you can take that stance. Yeah. In the uh, poisoning situation, you're not, you can't yeah, you, rebuff you can't, anyone. You can't face You can't off give him that eyes and go, no, you're a bad person. I oh, don't yeah. like you. you. Uh, you know what? You could like hurl insults at him. Yeah. Right? But you can make being, him feel bad about himself. Being bad is what he's smug about. Yeah, like that. You would just even be like, yeah. "Oh yeah, oh you could yeah, then reverse psychology." Oh, give me a kiss. I love you. you you're might, a nice guy. Yeah, I don't know if hey, you turn me I around, love, but I love what, that's what you're doing here. It's I like this stuff. idea of being. You'd be all sarcastic and passive aggressive. Yeah, oh, I was hoping somebody would come and strangle me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. You are a saint. So have you switched to the strangling? Yeah. Uh, yes. All right. So we got. Uh, I'm the tiebreaker. I'm strangler. You know what? I'm. Uh, Torrance made some pretty convincing arguments on both sure. sides of this equation, but I think I'm going to go with the poisoning by Alexander. First and foremost, because you get the great meal, the banquet meal to begin it all. But while I'm lying in bed with stab wounds, can I not order some delicious repasts? Absolutely, you can. Okay, mm-hmm. for sure. That, that's got it. That You're seals the, the deal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so you, you would be able to keep it down, unlike us. Yeah. Wasting away to poison you. But I'm going to go with the poisoning anyway. Unless it's like in a cartoon where the food all comes out my stab holes. <laughs> no. Like I, dr- I drink wine and the wine is just pouring out of all these holes. <laughs> but still, you still get, still to, still taste get to taste it. it. It's true. Hmm? Over and over again. Over. All right. So Put basically, a, a bunch of cups around my body. <laughs> so ba- the streams be caught and we drink it over and over again. So basically your position is stabby wounds, not so bad because you've never tried it. You don't know yep. whether you like it or not. That's right. Vatican room service. Where I, whereas I have had crusty rash. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't care to repeat that performance. Uh, Vatican room service, which is going to be top shelf. Yep. Right? And then you get to stare down I the guy. I did not order those stranglers. <laughs> Send those back. <laughs> and you get to uh, you get to stare down your, your killers. Yeah. And, I can and, be passive aggressive towards passive them as aggressive, they strangle the life out of me. Or maybe if you come up with a good zinger, you might be able to hurt his feelings a little bit as <laughs> yes, you go exactly. this, uh, go off this wall. I have a few days to think about it. Well, I'm going for the poisoning because uh, I get that glorious banquet with Alexander the Sixth. You know, maybe he's, he's probably a pretty personable guy. And sure, I fall ill shortly thereafter, but... In Cesare style, I get to have a mule hollowed out that I can like uh, lie inside. <laughs> yes. Oh, there you go. Yes. You know, in an attempt to ward off the poison, it doesn't work. But at least I get. If to I'm go gonna down. go. I'm gonna take a mule with me. That's right. I exactly. thought they smelled bad on the outside. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too.
Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while eating gluten. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Visit us at our homes, tap on our windows, watch us while we sleep, haunt our dreams. Thanks for listening. Went down to the cemetery looking for love. Got there and my baby was there.